Welcome to Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 9, Episode 2, titled The Bridge. Aaron, uh, we're two weeks back into this experiment. What'd you think? I thought The Bridge was a messy but ultimately satisfying series that was on either AMC or FX five years ago. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Uh it had starred Matthew (laughs) Lillard. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, I like that series. I, I I like this episode. I like this episode a lot. It continues with a lot of the themes. I like the fact that like um, uh, characters are having honest debates over serious issues. Um, that Maggie, like I, I, I was afraid last episode that Maggie was going to become kind of like this melodramatic villain. You know, like power's gone, absolute power corrupts absolutely, but it doesn't seem like there's going to be um, a threat of that. Um, and also, there's like some interesting mysteries going on, like what is going on with Trash Girl in the helicopter? Uh, what is happening to these saviors that are walking off the the construction line? You know, you're led to believe that maybe they're going to band together and do something, and then the the end of the episode seems to lean into that, and then they swerve at the last minute to like, oh my god, it's something something perhaps preying on these saviors. Is it a renegade band of Alexandrians? I don't know. Uh, I gotta, I gotta feign a little ignorance here, because uh, yeah, I, as someone who is familiar with the comic book arcs and has read a little bit about where this uh, next couple of seasons goes, I know too much. You? Because, because I well, it's unavoidable. Is, like, I don't know how you how you don't read something. Yeah, yeah. Because um, this is like right at the place where I stopped reading in the comics, and it's already like you know in the comics, Carl's still alive, mm-hmm. and it's Carl and. Uh, uh, Carl and Negan having these conversations at the, at the end, and there's like an element of like, well, maybe Carl will be seduced to the dark side. I don't buy that for a moment with Rick Grimes, so I, I wonder how they're going to ad- ad- adapt that. Like that, like you know, I have a little bit more faith with the the new leadership than I did of the old. Um, you know, two episodes in, but uh, yeah, I've got more questions than answers when it comes to my comic book knowledge. Which I'm thankful for. I felt like reading the comic books was a disservice to me for most of my Walking Dead fandom because, you know, like I was genuinely intrigued, entertained and intrigued for the first hundred issues of the comic book. I didn't read much past that. And I'm like many, many times I'm like, why, why, why can't they just adapt what's in the comic books rather than doing all this freestyle and adding things up and everything that they added seemed like it was almost always taking things away. So... Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very eager to be deshackled from those bullshit expectations. What did you right. think? Did we talk about what you thought? It's it's fine. Like The Walking Dead has never well, The Walking Dead at times has been awful television. It's mm-hmm. been pretty good for like a season and then it's the rest of the time it's been mediocre. And this is like I guess somewhere between mediocre and the really good that it was in season 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, which disappoints me greatly because I'm not here to watch mediocre television. I'm here to rip on shitty TV. So I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit like I, I I've had a bait and switch pulled on me here. Oh yeah, you're hoping for uh, you're hoping for the, sh- the return to the shit show. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to the dump. Let's get All right. <laughs> yeah, let's get uh, Morgan back on the show. Only that helicopter will pick her pick Anne back up and take her back to the dumpster. Anne, is that her real name? I think that's I think that's her. Yeah, that's that's her real trash girl name. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's what was it? Is it Jana? J- Jadis. Yeah. Jadis. That's right. Romulan sub commander Jadis. So mm-hmm. She's she's just Anne now, and she's macking on Gabriel. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Yeah. Let's uh. Let's talk about the episode then. All right. We start off with Rick delivering a monologue about rebuilding uh, as he tours the flourishing community of Oceanside, and well. Actually, I'm not sure this is Oceanside. You might have to correct me on this. Um, but also, I this new it, bridge they're building is this yeah, just that, an encampment that they've created? I think so it's a, it's a labor camp. <laughs> yeah, in strictest terms, it certainly is. I mean, if it, that's yeah, it's like uh, you know, like uh, what was it? Was it Jesus or Aaron or no? It's Daryl that said this. It's like, look, you can yeah. call it a lot of different things, but. It's fucking labor labor camp. Start then up I the company store. They, Let's get this thing going. Yeah, ex- exactly. They're, they've they've uh, loaded sixteen tons of logs. What do they get? 
another day older and more Rick bullshit and, and zombie bit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only thing, the only thing biting, biting this episode is logs and the crushing force of gravity. Oh my god! Yeah, that which arm. Is, which, which is enough. Which is enough. Uh, the, the, it's it's tough to do monologues. It's real hard to do a monologue, and I think this is fine. This is passable. Andrew Lincoln does his best, but it still felt a little forced. Well, it's because they've they spent eight seasons just fighting to stay alive, and it's not like that anymore, Jim. It hasn't been like that anymore since season two. <laughs> it keeps being no. It has. Not like That's that the anymore. problem. It didn't have to be, but it has been that way. Uh, but they're you know they're making they're making a new beginning. I, I like that. Uh, they I think they codified something they hinted at last season. This uh, romance between Jerry and. Uh, the girl wearing the is it Habib? Is that what you call the 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 headscarf? I don't know. It's a um, headscarf. I, yeah, I call him the Quilted Mountain because quilted. of his his. Oh, I don't even know what that's called. His yeah. coat, whatever. Yeah, the mountain that's two ply quilted. Uh, uh, some of these tents, man. I got a couple. I got I got some commentary. Um, a tent, especially in a putative swamp, does not. A tarp strung up with a like a center line does not a tent make, especially in a swamp. You have to like seal things up against insects, man. Mm. Like, these people should have like visible red red welts. You, they they might be coming down malaria. Uh, it's a real shit show as far as like you know not being to have real shelter. And some people are using like off the shelf tents; they'd work fine. Yeah. But these people camping under a tarp. Uh, I I don't know what you're doing, man. Those, those are all the sanctuary people. We don't really care about them. <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. It is, after all, a labor camp. Also, have we ever talked about this? Why the fuck does Rick carry this hatchet on his belt with the sharp side facing forward and out? I feel like he's going to have. I feel like he's going to cut his wrist every single like like Andrew Lincoln, when he's strutting around camp, walks with his his axe arm like like really cocked out because he doesn't want to get jabbed by it, obviously. Yeah. Like, why don't just why don't you just carry that with the, the thing facing backwards, man? Or I, I mean, they make holsters for hatchets too, yeah. like the, the the you know the 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 covers the sharp edge. I just uh, I think it's kind of weird. Carry them two of them on my back in there you uh, go. little holsters yeah. sticking up, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, P- uh, wield them Daryl style. Right. Uh, they got lookouts. That's another thing. I like the fact that uh, this show is like conspicuously doing a lot of things right that I've ra- ragged on the show for a long, long time. Like every single time they get an establishing shot. Usually see someone at the commanding uh, vantage point, keeping an eye out mm-hmm. for herds and other people approaching. This is this is a plus survival skills, guys. Way to go! Couldn't help but notice he said the name of the last episode while staring at the name of this episode. Yeah. Oh my god. Fucking meta, man. They're really firing on all storytelling cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking at the the signs that they have because they've posted like. Uh, Sure. You know, signs in the camps to say, okay, go this way to get to Hilltop, go this way to get to Sanctuary. Toledo. Oh, yeah. You don't want talking to about Toledo? Ohio? You've, you've never, never had the longing to go to Toledo? We haven't seen Toledo yet, have we? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an old time logging song. Take my heart back to old Toledo. You never, you never heard that. I, oh, I've, yeah. heard, I've heard uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford. I have not like, heard whoever that men, is. Men and women start start cutting down trees, and they start pining for Toledo. It's an instinctual thing. I'm not That's, sure why. No. Hmm. Yeah. Something about that strikes me as false, but <laughs> who knows? I'll go with it. Yeah. Well, look away. Rick's carrying his hatchet. There's no rules. Fair. Uh, We're just building worlds out here, Jim. Next scene is Tiger King in the same camp telling uh, his kid, I guess his kid, is this the adopted kid? Yeah. Uh, that they, his brother died and... I think he killed his, he, he got, he caught his dad killed on some damn fool crusade, which then led him taking his older brother as a ward who got, he got killed on yet another damn fool idealistic crusade. And now he's Morgan raising this kid at one point. He's yep. That's why he's got the fucking staff. He's, he's been Morgalized. He's been Ezekielized. He is, he, this Ezekiel's just working his way through this poor family. He won't be satisfied until the entire bloodline has been wiped (laughs) off. Who who are they going to pawn this kid off on next? He's a one man Macbeth over here. I don't know. I don't know. Looks like he's trying to successfully foist her him upon Carol. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. Like because soon, yeah. As soon as Carol puts that ring on the finger, it's just like, hey, you know, uh, this this kid. That's time for his bedtime. You ought to look into that. Uh 
It's really, really good. Really good at the whole foisting move. Uh, I yeah, I, so th- th- he's, he says, be proud of the work we're doing on these roads. And then uh, also says like a temporary goodbye to Carol. Yeah, because she's got to go get the... I guess she's been trying to whip the sanctuary into shape these last 35 days. Yeah, well, um, right. So it's been it's been about a month. We they established that later in the episode, I think. Um, I think well, in the Rick's monologue, he mentions it's been it's day thirty five of the bridge project. Oh, okay. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, you could you could be forgiven for not realizing that. So I I think Carol has taken over for Daryl at the sanctuary, right? Like she offered to mm-hmm. last episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's been trying to whip things into shape there. But uh, Zeke's not giving up on the fairy tale, no sir. It's going to keep that that flame, that, that happily ever after flame alive, which probably, I mean, in, in previous seasons, this would mark him for death. Yeah. In the next few episodes, but but he's Ezekiel, so. Uh, the, the next scene is kind of an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. Uh, sure is. We get Eugene telling Rick that they need to reinforce the dam. Rosita says there's a hundred strong herd nearby. Uh, Rick decides, hey, we're going to go ahead with the blasting anyway, and we'll use the sirens to redirect them if the herd comes. Uh we find out that saviors are walking off the job. Um, Rick says he'll talk with Carol about it. And the, the doctor's patching someone up and Rick tells him to head home. And Eugene tells Rick that their food's getting low. And Rick says Michonne's on it, which all of this is just setting up the many things that happen later in this episode. So it's a Sorkin walk and talk. I think it's more of a Kang uh, log and bog. <laughs> this is a show a whole bunch of logging in the background. You get bogged down in dialogue. Log and bog. I think I think it's a log and vlog, which that would vlog the log. Uh, Eugene, man, Eugene. Why use Why use one word when fifty will do just fine? Absolutely. And, uh, and, and forty eight of them are made up words that nobody understands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it involves things like Piggly Wiggly and Win Dixie. I I don't understand what the hell's going on with that, but. Uh, uh, I like that they're naming. There's another cool world building touch where they're naming the herds like hurricanes. Like you got herd Horatio, you got herd. I don't know where they're going to name them all after uh, characters from a, na- a naval nautical fiction, or they're going to name them after like uh, I don't know the a classical uh, authors of antiquity. Mm. But that's that's cool. That's cool. It's a it's a it's an efficient way. And the idea that they've got a system to deal with these, I think, is one of the cooler aspects of where they were at in the comics where I stopped reading them. So Yeah, these are the kind know. of improvements that I don't want. I don't I don't want to see this stuff. Let's get back <laughs> to the Walking Dead I know and hate. Yeah. Uh did you notice did, did you notice Eugene looking hard at someone winding twine? With no fingers, yeah. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, I think this is to remind us that he came from the sanctuary. You know, his, his betrayal of these people um, and his turn to the saviors mm, and how Negan okay. was, you know, a ruthless uh, dictator. I thought there was some kind of implication of sabotage because that's the other problem when you have forced labor, uh, as the Nazis found to their uh, chagrin, is uh, sometimes, you know, uh, this shit breaks. Uh, people start adding... Uh, fucking chalk to your cement mixes and start uh, fucking with your steel and your tanks break down and your bridges collapse and gee whiz, wonder why. Yeah. Uh, so I, but but you're you're probably I think you're probably right. I didn't notice the guy's stubby fingers. Yeah. Uh, and then we go over to Michonne, who's now at the hilltop where Maggie's trying to get a horse to buck her off. Uh, they're both confused about why the ethanol delivery never showed up, and Michonne asks Maggie to hand over the fuel anyway, but Maggie makes up. Some pretty weak shit about the plow not working. And then they talk about what uh, to do with this Earl guy who had uh, tried to kill her. Michonne suggests they start establishing some rules. And then she's offered a place to stay for the night in the hilltop. Yeah, I was surprised. I guess I didn't remember or maybe they didn't establish that that Earl was the blacksmith. I thought it was some big bearded guy, but maybe that's just because that's when I think of the blacksmith. It's always, yeah, some barrel chested pop-eyed arms you know yeah. bald dude with a giant giant black beard you know covered in soot uh-huh. uh and uh earl is only like half of those things so uh <laughs> he's really bucking stereotype uh-huh. but yeah they're blacksmith they need the you know uh and that's the other thing is like come on michonne like whether they got the plow or not it's not going to do the work of a fucking john deere tractor like, that's one of the reasons sure. we can make so much food is because, like, that thing can do the work of, like, 10 plows all at once and for a fraction of the labor. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe if you got tin plows and you got some more of that uh, uh, compulsory labor from from the uh, the sanctuary, you could you could equal the output of one one uh, tractor. But no, I wish I wish Maggie like that's the that'd be the perfect way for her to come back. It's like, oh yeah, Michelle, tell please tell me again how the 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 civil rights lawyer from the big city is going to tell the farm girl how mm-hmm. how the plow works. Really, really, okay, yeah, yeah, but, I do uh, like she, that she's the one managing this uh, food community because. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. There's also this uh, idea that, like, at this point in the story, I equally believe that the saviors are just going going back to their rogue roots and starting to make off of the ethanol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that Maggie's got a point there that, like, well, until we get to whatever the reason, until we get the ethanol, uh, you know, we're going to plan on having a food shortage and we're going to take care of our people. Seems, seems very rational. Yeah. And even at the end, you know, she's concerned about that kind of stuff. She agrees to, um, uh, you know, come up with some common laws, but also she wants to preserve the ability. She essentially wants to be a state within the overall federal government. Yeah. We're, we're all discovering federalism again. Yeah, like right. the value of feder- federalism. It's it's sometimes nice not to have a central authority telling you how you have to do things, and it's good stuff and bad stuff. But yeah, Maggie's staunch federalist. All right, then we go over to Daryl and Aaron working on the bridge. Aaron teases him about uh, becoming a dad someday, and the kid delivers the the kid. I'm just calling him the kid because I don't know his fucking name. The Henry. Henry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Henry delivers water to the workers. Uh, the worker wants more, so he pushes the kid down. I don't know the worker's name either. I just call him I asshole. Call, I call him Rico Suave. That's that's <laughs> right. his name in my notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he pushes the kid down, and then he gets a fight with Daryl because you know Daryl doesn't like kids being pushed yeah. i don't i don't and, either to be honest and uh you know rico rico uh I, I don't know why they keep a whole pile of pocket sand on a work site it seems like you're just asking for a van damme fight to break out yeah but this they has got to be they, like sawdust right it's got to be <laughs> it's gonna be something from the byproducts of what they're doing you can't just I mean, be you piles can try of to sand. throw a pile of sand dust in someone's eyes but it's very hard that's yeah. that's very fluffy material i i thought it was i mean surely they can use sand they're like because they they've got this big dam operation upstream that was my first question yeah, yeah. how the hell are they working on this bridge when we saw last episode it was like a fucking raging river but they've you know diverted the river and the dam's holding so yep you know this is how you old school build a bridge. So I imagine they're probably got some kind of, there's got to be some kind of cement mixture that they're putting their like bridge pylons in. I don't know. It all just looked wooden to me. And it I would did, think you would like, put the pylons in way before you got to this true. point. Like, that's true. Maybe Although it's the, old oh, sand. When I was watching them, I was thinking like, well, it seems to be the play to make would be to just build a wooden edifice on the already strong remaining concrete structure of the bridge. And like maybe that'll sweep away at some point too, but like yeah. whatever it's built with is probably going to be a lot stronger than whatever you're going to do with your primitive technology and you know you're you're going off the key to the future blueprint blueprints. Yeah, I, I would say down in Georgia that blueprint prints blue that's prance. Yankee talk blueprints. I wanted to see them go to a museum and get a bridge and bring it down the main staircase <laughs> and put it on their rickety old rotten wagon. Yeah. Uh huh. And haul uh-huh. it through the mud and the swamp and the malaria yeah. bugs. Yeah. Let's do it. Or maybe like if you've been like like it's, it's a children's museum where it's got like a popsicle bridge. They they <laughs> okay. carefully dismantle that, bring it back. Like this is how you do it, man. Yeah. There's there's milling popsicles, giant popsicles, scale popsicle sticks. If they if they're blacksmith, oh my god! If they're blacksmith, can't make a fucking plow. He's gonna be able to make. <laughs> it's not even him. Their blacksmith is out of commission. Who's yeah. who's designing this bridge? I don't know. I don't know. So they they got that binder says key to the future. They're just uh, it's got it's got a easy bridge recipe in it. I love it. This key to the future uh, binder is such a like just wallpaper over anything we need sure. to construct. Yeah. It's like you know, mm-hmm. oh, a wagon is not in there, a wheel is not in there, a plow is not in there. Pretty important things. Yeah, and yet you've got the structure of a bridge. There's five different plans for record players. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got a gramophone. You got a twin turntable. You got a five. Uh, you got a, a, t- a ten record quick changer. A jukebox. Yeah, oh yeah, they, they got the they got the record stuff covered. Love it. Uh, is that woman's still alive somewhere and corresponding with Maggie as we yeah, find out later. Apparently so. I looked it up because I'm like no, but then yeah, that George. That's what her name was, Georgie, the kind of like presidential woman with the Secret Service that I, left I, him the key to the future. Yeah, yeah. Georgie says it. I thought he said. Or Jordy says it. Jesus says it, and I thought he said Jordy. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, okay, so Rick notices this fight, and he runs in to break it up. Afterward, Daryl is pissed that Rick's not doing anything about the guy who started it, but Rick needs him for uh, for working on their future. The he, work gang, yeah. He thinks he can turn the saviors to their side, but Daryl's not so sure they're on the same side, and he storms off, uh, and then Carol comes over and suggests talking, comes over to Rick and says, hey, you should probably talk to him, uh, and Rick doesn't know what to say. Yeah, this uh, whole concept of work makes one free. I, I've I've heard of that phrase before. Mm, yeah. Can't really put my finger on it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll go well for them. As a as an Italian, uh, what'd you make of this uh, gazpacho recipe, which is essentially old ketchup packets and cucumbers? I mean, does that comply? It's a gazpacolips, gazpacholips. <laughs> so I would say any any gazpacho in a storm. <laughs> Uh-huh, I guess yeah. is is yeah. what I'm looking at. Sure, it's better than raw kooks. That's yeah, and, yeah, and second yeah. second ketchup. I guess. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, yeah. I like I like this uh, broad broad minded fusion of your culture that that, that I see. Why not? <laughs> Italians could use more mullets. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else to say about this? Uh, I don't think so. Like I, you know. There's a clear difference here between Daryl and Rick, and it's not immediately obvious like yeah. who's right, um, mm-hmm. you know. And like, there's like the, one of them's right in modern society, but then like in this society, I don't know. And that's one of the most interesting questions I've got. That like, if you had a uh, where like the human society completely collapses, but everyone alive still remembers the fair-minded ideas of justice, mm-hmm. um, but you don't have the resources to like staff a prison. You know, it's like were medieval people assholes that like love to torture, rape, and kill because they didn't know better, or is it just like if you get it, it takes a while to like get law and order and people calm down and buy into it before it's like it makes a lot of logical sense. Like, well, we defeated these people; they caused us a lot of problems. Maybe we should put them all to the sword. Mm-hmm. You know. The idea that, you know, you'd have diplomats that would call off to war and then everyone would go back to their home and then you'd immediately start trading those people. That's a very modern idea and it might need certain other foundational things on top of it to work. Like people just knowing better might not be enough. And I I think that's the core of the, the argument here. Like, you know, Rick's arguing for like returning to some sort of late 20th century ideas of justice in society. And Daryl's like, man, that's. That's gone, and and in more fundamental ways than you can suspect. Like every, if everyone here in the community has a person that's been killed by a savior, then there's not enough. Like talking about constitutions and uh, contracts and and compacts and magna cartas, that's going to change that. And you know, I don't know. It's it's an interesting philosophical conundrum about restarting society. I thought. Mm-hmm. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, then we go to Michonne back at the hilltop overhearing uh, Tammy pleading with Jesus to see her husband. The woman sits down near the entrance to his cellar prison and says she's not moving until she sees him. Then Michonne tells Jesus that he should talk to Maggie about building something bigger than any one of them, including Maggie, since she's not always right. I mean, that's all. Everyone's got a valid argument. That's all good good stuff. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a question about like, okay, uh, I suppose there are a few options here with what to do with Earl. You could kill him. Mm-hmm. You could imprison him or you could mm-hmm. banish him. Uh, and I feel like all of those are, you know, in modern society, there's not really a banishment option, right? Like you can't send right. somebody somewhere where there are no people. Uh, not yet. They'll freeze to death. 
Elon Musk is working on a Martian penal colony, right, as we speak. Right, right Until right. then, until then, Australia 2.0, until we get that, we're yeah, stuck with Yeah, there's still them. room in Australia. We might be able to get away with it. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, do we have the right to kill this person or do we have the right, right to just say you're not part of our community? And I think like there's a and basic struggle there. Does the rules change based on their importance to you? Because like a factory worker commits a murder, no one's going to be like, well, we should keep this guy around because we need people to work factories because we got more people to need work than we do. But like in this civilization, like, or oh, maybe this guy, he attacked, the, he tried to assassinate our leader. That's like a death penalty. But mm. damn, he's our only blacksmith and we need to eat. Like that's kind of fucked up that your morality and your sense of justice would depend on how vital someone is to your economy. But that's, that's a real life constraint <laughs> okay. that they're having to deal with. Like, again, that's where you get the problem of... Uh, broad-minded modern ideals versus you know medieval ways of living. Yeah, I mean, I I would argue that those uh, medieval ways of living are still very active in our own society. When you have oh, banks yeah. that are too big to fail, and no matter what crime they commit, no matter what injustice they put uh, upon the American people, they're bailed out. They continue to continue to operate. They. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know. You can't. I'm very, very sympathetic to the argument. Is it's taken us about two to three hundred years to go from some kind of enlightened liberalism to essentially feudalism 2.0. Yeah, uh, but that's that's a subject for another podcast. Sure, we'll get there at some point. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jadis created uh, creates a perp sketch of someone with Gabriel verifying it. Uh, she's not sure she fits into the group at Oceanside, but Gabriel uses his sordid history with the group. And his newly trust, or his new status as trusted community member, to comfort her, and she flirts with him by taking his hand. Yeah, I mean, this works as well as it does, but like, goddamn, when you think about all the shit that Ezekiel's put the group through, and all of the shitty betrayals, and oh, Gabriel, yeah. Oh, oh I see, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, Gabriel. All, all the, all the, the petty betrayals and pants shitting acts of cowardice. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, like like I, I'm gonna pretend that like he he had a nice neat arc uh, that didn't encompass half or a third of the bullshit because that's the nice thing about having a guy this long is that he has this history that you can kind of hand wave to to help new people feel integrated. But like if you really start to think about it too long, it, it kind of like hey man, it ain't nothing. You could like work and get everyone's trust and fucking betray them. Mm-hmm. You could lose all their food. You get important person killed, and they'll still fucking forgive. Rick will still come back. He's like a fucking sucker for this shit. Uh-huh. Don't sweat it, Jadis. I mean, Anne. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, pretty cute scene. I don't know why they're playing matchy match with everybody, although that is, you know, one of the oldest human traditions. Yeah. When shit starts to settle down a little bit, yeah, people start thinking about up. boning. Mm-hmm. Even when things aren't settled, start boning. Why not bone now? We could have boned yesterday. Why not? We're wasting time. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, we find out later who they're sketching here, so I don't feel the need to talk about it. But then we go to Jesus at the hilltop again, noticing a letter from Jordy, Georgie on Mag- Maggie's desk and asks if she's thinking of leaving. She replies that she's building a future here, which prompts Jesus to bring up Tammy's predicament. Maggie's convinced um, by Jesus's words and allows Tammy to see her husband. And he apologizes to what uh, to her for what he did. She forgives him and they both miss their boy. Of course, Maggie's a little moved. And that might set her in a direction here. Again, I really like what they're doing with Maggie's backstory because she's one of the more richer um, portrayed characters. We've known her since early on in season two. And one of her cornerstones was her daddy was a drunk and then he wasn't. And I mean, mm-hmm. that bringing that being her guiding light is makes total fucking sense. And I love it. I like it. Yeah. No, they're, they're doing real good work here with Maggie's story um, and how it's, you know, coinciding with uh earl also it's nice to see her like someone that's like you know like earl's taking this on chin the chin like a man like hey you know i i let gregory manipulate me i got drunk and i fucking tried to kill maggie it's fucked Mm -hmm. up like i'm lucky that i didn't get hung up with it like you know not everyone that gets like accused of something in the zombie apocalypse like is a becomes a loud fuck mouth malcontent um sure i liked it i like it I'm, i'm on i'm on team earl Supervised working conditions, team roll. All right. Uh, Rosita sets off some explosives and it attracts the herd. That's a scene. 
Yeah, not not as big a fan of the Savior Girl, like 30 days after war, being like, why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust me? Yeah, I just sliced your face. Why don't you trust me? Like, uh-huh. trust is earned, man. Come on. Look at Boston Rob. Look at Boston Rob. We're yeah. trusting Boston Rob. We had him in prison last season. Come on. Come on, <laughs> tattoo girl. Shitty tattoo girl. You're calling Boston Rob. I'm calling him Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> no, everyone, no one's going to know who we're talking about on this podcast. Good, it's fine. Good. Good. Uh, have, have, have they mentioned his name once this season? I think they're no. asking a lot, Jim. Yeah, and it's been two and a half years or whatever since I've even thought about we, the show. So we, we announce our names every fucking episode as podcasts. There's people have been listening to us for ten years and still don't know which is Aaron and which is Jim. So That's true. Yeah. I I will I will call this guy Boston Rob until I hear someone name him a, a time or three. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. All right, Maggie goes alone to see Earl and asks him how the hell this all happened. And he tells his life story as an alcoholic where he can't remember the first time he saw his son. He drove drunk with him in the car, but Tammy stayed by his side to help him get better. And so he never drank again until his son died. And then he asks why uh, Maggie hanged Gregory instead of himself. And she doesn't answer. I like that, though. You think, you know, when he's asked and she says, you think I made a mistake and let, lets him answer the question for her. It's it's good. It's it's a really good uh, underwritten in a good way kind of scene. Next up is Tara spotting the herd headed toward the blast site and alerting Rick. Uh, they turn on the sirens to redirect them, and then Skeet Ulrich tells Rick that the walk-offs never showed up at the sanctuary, and he's worried that the saviors aren't going to feel safe without weapons, but Rick's refusing to give them any, saying, oh, we'll just keep them safe. Uh, and then Tara, during this conversation, is radioing fran- frantically in, saying, uh, the second siren has not gone off and the herd is headed for the bridge crew. Yeah. I thought this was, dare I say, an effective use of building tension where, yeah. you know, you kind of have this like lighthearted scene to set it up. And then you've got like one character trying to interrupt that with a serious matter. And then the other lighthearted character that's, you know, you've already been kind of trained to think is like wasting Rick's time comes under the breaking update. I thought that was pretty good. Also, did you know Tara flipped us all the bird yes. in the establishing shot of the scene? I absolutely, I couldn't help but Inten- it. Intentional? Because she's like, she's known as a flipper eh. of birds, right? That's like one of her things. I, I think so. I Is think her so. finger just like permanently stuck in the the locked and loaded position now? Yeah. It's a yeah. message to the fans? It's a it's a worksite injury. Mm. She went yeah. to the, the company doctor and they, <laughs> they just said, there's not much we can do, but we can... Yeah. Uh, you've, you've reached here. max medical improvement. You know <laughs> that that finger tendon just isn't going to bend anymore, Tara. You got you, it, it stuck that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I was liking this stuff. Um, yeah, for, and it's from like here again, on, like the the action stuff is pretty good. The the mystery settles in too that like you know we're inclined to think that these guys are all a bunch of shit bags, but uh, Boston Rob, who knows them better than we, says you know some of these guys walked off and they don't they have families and kids like it's not like them to just like bone out for outlaw status. So it's like hmm, mm-hmm. what's what's actually happening? Yeah, um, and we get to see sort of the consequences of that here when Daryl spots the herd and tells everyone to run, but Aaron gets his arm trapped under a log. They managed to free him just as Rick's team shows up to take care of the herd. And he spectacularly rolls a pile of logs over about 20 of them, which so cool. I fucking loved. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, none of it makes any sense. Uh, but their faces no? are totally destroyed by these logs. Just their faces. Oh. Well, yeah, those are those are some sunripe walker melons. You know, they've uh-huh. been they've been ripening it up in the harsh D.C. summers for for years now. It's true. So the slightest thing, slightest little bit of pressure just just smashes them like a tomato can. I love um, the only thing I, I I thought it was hokey to have him shoot it. I wish he'd gone over there with his hatchet and just sliced that thing. That, yeah, because he was like he's also like 15 feet from it. And so then, that that cheapens his achievement of marksmanship and also just highlights the waste of bullet, the making of sound and, yeah. you know, the inefficiency of it. I feel you. That was a little silly, but it had a cool effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it took a, a an outsized number of walkers with that mm-hmm. that strategy. Pretty well done, Rick. Well and done. Spectacularly, I, I, I too. It's, it's a nice medium-sized battle, you know? You yeah. got uh, Daryl commanding the forces. I honestly thought when he grabs his knives and he's going in, I honestly thought he was going to take out the entire herd himself. I thought, yeah, <laughs> that there was a little bit of John Wick factor. and yeah. I, but, but, yeah, it's nice when the reinforcements came. Because I was like, 
well, that's going to be cool, but there's a lot of walkers here. And right. then, like, Rick's screaming horde comes around the corner. And, and, and I'm like, okay. Like, crucially, you can't have Daryl go in and take out a herd of walkers because the walkers become a non-threat at that point. Like, right. And, and it undermines every other scene we've seen in the entire series. If you're, yeah. if you're saying that one man could have taken out a herd the entire time had he right. chosen to. And they they got to be careful with that too because like they've already neutered the zombies to where a single zombie or even like a small group is not a threat to any one individual survivor. So like right. if they neuter neuter a threat to even a small herd, then it's like well the dead are just not going to be a threat at all. It's going to be a joke. So yeah. they they were smart. They were smart and, in and how they they uh, straddled the difference there. I think still got eight more seasons of this show. There's no way they can neuter the herd yet. Yeah, but oh yeah, as soon as I saw Ed, uh, Aaron's arm, I'm like, oh, that they're gonna have to whip that thing off. Yeah. Oh. Maybe Sadiq was there with a, a first aid kit and a round of last resort antibiotics, but you mm. got Enid in a prayer. Yeah. <laughs> she's got her big book of amputations, and she's <laughs> dying to use it. Uh, so they get Aaron back to camp, but his arm is completely fucked, and Edith decides to amputate it without sedatives. Uh, Daryl finds out the same guy who pushed the kid was the one who was supposed to start the second siren. So he beats him mercilessly until Mm -hmm. Carol stops him and says they'll deal with it. Uh, But Daryl claims there's only one way to deal with these assholes. I do. Man, when he comes rolling out of that 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 tent with the head of steam, I got like old school Walking Dead excited. Like, oh, man, someone's (laughs) going to catch a vicious beating. Oh, he he punches that guy straight out of the tent. Yeah. Like he punches him. He goes out of the tent, down the front porch of the tent uh, and rolls like 12 feet on the ground probably yeah. and this guy mr suave is just such a giant piece of shit oh yeah like he's clearly like a neganite that's that's really really chafing under this bullshit pussy rulership that he's been forced under and and the uh, good riddance good i riddance assume he's guy. part of the resistance but that's probably. just an assumption yeah i don't know what i'm not sure what the resistance is at, and i don't even know what the resistance is yet i have an idea like you said i've got a little bit of idea from like plot lines and whatnot but well there's some some growing sentiment uh against oh he's the one spray painting painting. yeah it seems like there's some group it's i don't know if it's even right to call him a resistance yet but it's headed that way yeah they're rabble rousing yeah the rabble rousing stage uh, so Maggie agrees to talk about a set of common laws without giving up the right to decide what's best for her people. She also says they'll hand over all the crops they agreed to give the saviors. And Michonne asks why she changed her mind. And it's because Earl, like her father, Herschel, can be redeemed, whereas Gregory couldn't. Who makes mm-hmm. that decision? Well, they'll have to figure it out. That's quite, I mean, geez. Um, I think it's something we still don't have a, a handle on. Like, because uh, it's always, as long as the person's alive, they can always change. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're dealing with a society that doesn't have the resources, how do you, d- you divide people up into people into the camps of ones that can be given chances and the ones that run out of chances? Very comfortable with Gregory being in the latter oh, camp, yeah. but um, there's there's probably going to be a lot of edge cases that that uh, will vex them in the years to come. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate the timing on this because after this incident with Daryl. Um, and this savior, the things are going to be a lot harder to just sort of come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like the divisions are forming. So her like idea that we're going to somehow unite um, under this set of common laws couldn't come at a worse time. Yeah, no, I got some more commentary on that, but I'll wait for the next scene. Okay. Um, so the guy who pushed the kid still don't care about his name. Tells Rick Rico to... Suave. Feels good. <laughs> Yeah. Feels good. Uh, tells Rick to keep Daryl off him, but Rick has seen this guy as a cop, the guy uh, who's just looking mm-hmm. to cause trouble and blame other people for it. So Rick tells him to leave the next morning. Uh, lucky for him, the guy just up and leaves in the middle of the night. So this is my this is Rick going back to his original sin of like just taking it upon himself to banish people and you know like he says he doesn't want to lead anymore right. but and he says we need a common like he's he's sending Michonne out to convince Carol that we need a common but and he would be the first to bitch at uh, Daryl or Carol for doing this but he takes it upon himself to dispense and met out justice on this guy. Well, I think at like, the end doesn't, doesn't be he that also of- say uh, take Carol with you? <laughs> I'm kidding. Does he? I'm kidding. Oh, because oh, oh, he's already been like, Carol oh, Did once. I miss the whole point that he was actually sending him back to the sanctuary to be like paroled or something? No, no, okay, no. Okay, okay. Just a joke um, about like season four or whatever when Carol got banished. 
Yeah, but would it be so hard that you got this small logging camp and, you know, everyone had to have liked Aaron. Like, he's a pretty likable, hardworking dude. And Absolutely. you just bring him up in front of the crowd and be like, this is what this guy did. Mm-hmm. This, What's your excuse? What should we do with a guy like this? And let the group, you know, like, you can even, like, put your thumb on the scale and be like, I'm for banishing this guy. Um, but, you know, we a lot of people walked out there. We might be building a small army. Like, just let like people decide. Like, why does he have to do it? Um, fucking Rick Grimes, man. How many times? How many times are you going to do this? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fair question. Uh, what if the walkie was literally just dead? Was actually dead? Didn't get charged. I think that's the thing. I think that's the where Daryl like that's a that's a six year old's excuse. Yeah, like he didn't check. You know, you didn't check it before you took it. Yeah. So even if what you're saying is right, which why would we believe you? That's not an excuse. Like people, Mm -hmm. you know, you have responsibility. For people not dying, you're you're. I guess the real question is why would you put a fundamental? You know, this goes back to like you can blame every personnel problem on management. Uh, because like why the fuck would you put someone in such a crucial? crucial yeah, yeah, if you didn't fully trust them. Like this guy's strong. Maybe he should be lifting the log, and Aaron should be sitting on the siren. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what Rick's trying to go for. Whatever he's trying to go for is not working. That's the story of Rick. <laughs> So Rick sees that Aaron's arm is missing and he apologizes for pushing the project so hard on him. Uh, Aaron tells Rick how he's changed his perspective on the end of the world as a, as a new beginning. And he's grateful to be part of it. Uh, it's ironic here. Rick looking at Aaron's missing arm and feeling something cause yeah, of the comic, you know, there is a little bit of, there is a, a an interesting layer of comic reader irony there. You're right. Yeah. Um, and I, I kept thinking in this scene, they're doing some parallel between Eugene looking at the missing fingers at the beginning of the episode and Aaron right. missing his arm at the end. Yeah. And, you know, the the tension between the sanctuary and the rest of the communities. I'm, I I just can't quite put ugh, my finger on it. Like Jesus said, you know, like these people are here and they're in a camp. They're they're working for you uh, against their will. And in return, you'll protect them. Who does that sound like? Sounds like a I mean, guy we're pretty, gonna meet later. And now, now you've got like all these explicit like references of like the and like even though Rick is a fundamentally more decent, better person, like ends justify the means. Uh, if both of them wanted to save and reboot society, and they're both leading the people's law, you know, innocent people losing their limbs, and like I again, I, I think this works as far as it goes. But uh, it, it it's you know it's it's punching pretty high for Walking Dead. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. Uh, and I guess it would be a shame to see Rick turn into the thing that he hates so much. Uh, oh, God. Do you think because that, that's the thing? Like, do you, I, I assumed that like when I was reading the comic books and it was Carl sneaking down to have these heart to hearts with Negan, I assumed there's going to be some kind of like seduction, like, you know, Palpatine versus Anakin Skywalker. And then at the end, like uh, Carl would have to make a choice he'd be tested and you know his loyalty would be tested you know who's he going to support his dad or negan mm-hmm. um rick do you buy rick being seduced to the dark side i, I don't here's the thing i'm not sure rick would see it as the dark side like uh, my <sighs> my feeling is there is a fine line between keeping a community together on on everyone's terms and keeping a community together on your terms and i think that's what they're getting here getting out of here is mm. he is at risk here of becoming a dictator uh, in the As same way Maggie. that Negan was, right? And yeah, maybe yeah. his goals are noble. Maybe the community and the well-being of everyone is a noble goal. But, you know, there's something to be said about the means. Um, and if if Rick, you know, uses dictatorial tactics in order to get that end result, what? how is he different from Negan? Maybe he's not chopping yeah. off fingers, but if he's you know, imprisoning people or giving people less food. Like, you know, I don't know. It's a tough question. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then we go to Gabriel and Jadis listening to Frogs Fuck. Then she asks him uh, who that woman is that she drew. And with a little prodding, he reveals that she's the organist at his church, which... The woman responsible for playing my organ. Oh, what that girl could do with pipes. Oh, 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 makes me weep to think about it. Well... (laughs) I guess I, I guess I still have to read this next sentence. Jadis has a different organ in mind, and Gabriel makes a move. 
<laughs> Instead of doing his job, they bang. Yeah, he's a priest at Fox. He's not one of those uh, Catholic priest types. He can, no. he can. Uh, Jesus says it's okay to open that marriage. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I thought that this being The Walking Dead, and it's been years since I've seen this episode, because like this, I, I got up to last the next episode from my watch for for Jason over on the Walking Dead cast. Mm-hmm. Um. But I thought that they were setting up a thing where Gabriel finally finds happiness in the arms of another woman and he's supposed to be on watch and it's going to lead to some kind of like crazy fucking disaster right mm-hmm. in the middle of like this is going to be back in, you know, that uh, remember late season one where everyone's like uh, around the quarry and they're having this uh, everyone's listening to uh, what's this fucking Jeffrey De- DeMunn talking about time and his watch and then the zombies come and eat everybody. Yeah, yeah. I thought that we were going for another one of those type of deals, but mm-hmm. they didn't. They didn't, which is, you know, good because yeah. if you do that every single time, there's no tension to it. No, they're they're going for something a little more uh, nuanced here. Like there's there's something, you know, obviously Gabriel's story is a, a bit of a redemption arc, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. probably a big redemption arc, but like... Mm-hmm. Him talking about this organist and, you know, how much affection he had for this organist. Because remember, didn't Gabriel yeah. burn his entire congregation in the church? No, I think he is. He shut his doors against them and like barricaded oh, himself right, in the church right. while they all died outside. So, yeah, she wasn't that good an organist. <laughs> Apparently not. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, he did something terrible to his congregation and she was one of them. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had a long road to redemption and he's finally feeling like he's approaching the end of it. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's a story of, this is another way they're saying that they've gone be mere survival into thrival that like, you know, you can, you can take your eye off your watch for five minutes and, and nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. And Rick sees in the next scene, uh, the manifestation of that with the camp enjoying themselves and Carol asks to try on Tiger King's ring, which is her own proposal? I, I think this makes them engaged. The Tiger yeah. King doesn't get to deliver his speech. She's she's trying to take a step towards him, and you know, like, hey, I'm going back to sanctuary. Maybe I can wear your ring when you're not around, and that'd be nice. And then he goes full on. Uh-huh. You know, he wants to draw a sword, get down to one knee, have Jerry bring forth his steed, and and uh, she's she's not having that. So then the monologue from the beginning of the episode picks back up, and Rick finishes telling. Negan, spoiler alert for five seconds from now, that the community came together by choice because they're humans and that's what humans do. Negan asks when he gets out. Rick tells him, you're never getting out. So Negan talks a mess about how Rick isn't saving the world. He's just getting it ready for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, remarkable restraint showed on the part of AMC not having Jeffrey Dean Morgan in the first episode. Yeah. Remarkable. Probably. Because they could have started that framing device that, you know, like uh, a a lesser season would have had him doing this for like eight episodes. You know, like, you know, who's Rick narrating? I don't understand. Who could he possibly be talking about this? And then, you know, eight episodes later, you'd have Jeffrey Dean Morgan leaning into out of the shadow into the frame. Mm -hmm. Give talking, you know, antagonizing Rick. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and you know, like that's the other thing is like, can Negan be redeemed? Um, what is it going to look like to have a essentially like, uh, you know, the, those old Muppets in the box seats, just like talking shit from the rafters in jail for the entire uh, history of this community? Um, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. And like how we recontextualize it's like, you know, uh, you didn't build a bridge to the future, just a monument to the dead. Uh, you're not saving the world. You're just getting it ready for me. Like that's. I mean, if if anybody has ever been non-repentant for their sins, has ever neglected to take it an opportunity to repent, um, this this is the man. Uh, like uh, what what happened sure. to Gregory needs to happen to this guy, and I feel like Rick keeping him around is for his own purposes. He wants to torture this man. Um, really. Yeah, and he wants to torture this man with the good things they're building, right? Like, if he can describe this community and tell them about all the progress they've made, how the saviors are turning to their side now, and his people are no longer his people, uh, Rick's going to get some satisfaction out of that. Uh, And I feel like that is a dangerous game to play, Hmm. because if he is sprung, 
or or if he manages to somehow convince Rick that he can be let out into the general population again, which is kind of Rick's tendency, um, even though he's very against it right now, I, I feel like he would be potentially a very dangerous influence on the saviors that are already, you know, on the edge. Yeah, you wonder, like, if he... Even if he was to have like some kind of legitimate change of heart, like five years into this, be like, "God damn, Rick, you were right. I I was wrong to like harness people's worst natures." Like, even if that was sincere, like you've seen his tendency to do what happens when things go bad, and even in stable societies, you have periods where things backslide and and get worse for periods of time. Yeah. So, like, why would you ever think that he would long term not? go back to those tendencies like that's his default nature like when shit goes bad you got to do this because it's just a matter of time well he's going to be every single time you have a setback you know like the bridge gets washed out see i told you shit civilization shit won't work we need a strong ruler to brutalize blah keep people in line with fear and ah. um i it's, it'll be interesting I, I to see he's right to a degree but that strong ruler i think is maggie mm. uh I, I feel like rick is a little too uh shit what's the word um for sort of shit. naively <laughs> naively uh optimistic then you know maggie yeah, has a more that. realist perspective and i think i appreciate the leadership she's bringing to the table especially now that gregory's gone yeah no i i, I buy that uh and then we get to the final scene where jadis is building trash sculptures again which backsliding uh, Ooh. <laughs> and she notices a helicopter overhead and the guy who pushed the kid walks home alone drunk and he's spotted by somebody and knocked out somebody he recognizes as an ally I think yeah. is a crucial thing mm-hmm. so is there a conspiracy of former saviorites and if so why would they jump him yeah. uh, right off the bat and uh, yeah it's like that's like, again it's a big piece of the the mystery, but I have we're no, mm-hmm. no closer to solving it. All right, that's uh, that's it for this episode. Of course, uh, we'll be back next week with consideration of the third episode of this uh, season nine. Uh, we are soliciting feedback and taking it. You can send that into Walking Dead at baldmove.com, or you can discuss each episode as they released on our uh, forums page at forums.baldmove.com. Uh, we probably, I, I think that our current thinking is we'll probably take a little bit of time uh, at the end, at, at the mid-season point, uh, right after episode 908, and consider kind of like uh, uh, feedback then at that point. But uh, I don't know. Maybe we will do some sooner. Maybe we'll do later. Maybe we won't consider it at all. We're just kind of playing the bald move response to this uh, coronavirus uh, catastrophe to television the same way the federal government is. Just let's, let's see what happens. Make it up as we go along. Well, you know, it's, uh, some, some feedbacks might die along the way. Uh, maybe, that's a price, maybe that's a price of uh, reopening uh, the Walking Dead feed. We'll, we'll just have to see. But uh, until then, please send that in to walkingdeadatbaldmove.com, forums.baldmove.com. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next week. <laughs>